A labyrinth is a symbol of um, transformation. It, at, it, at its simplest level, it's the movement from one state to another through a spiral. And those movements and those transformations are happening to us, in us, uh, all the time. We associate them with a sort of a form of spiritual awareness or spiritual transformation. And, and that's because the idea of working with the labyrinth is that you, we, become aware that we're not the content of our consciousness, but we, we use our consciousness as a tool. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We're Ever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Diana Durham. She explores the labyrinth of life. Diana draws on nature to discover why our deeper identity is the root of renewal. She is a poet, author, and explorer in the field of consciousness. Her latest book is Coherent Self-Coherent Mind. This is her story and this is her passion, Diana Welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm really excited to have you back on the show today. Oh, thank you, Louisa. It's lovely to chat with you again across the miles. Um, So I'm going to begin by just, you know, my poetry book is called um, Labyrinth, but it doesn't have a picture of a labyrinth on the cover. (laughs) It has a picture of water uh, flowing. And, um, but of course, a labyrinth is a symbol of um, transformation. It, at, it, at its simplest level, it's the movement from one state to another through a spiral. And those movements and those transformations are happening to us, in us, uh, all the time. And um, we associate them with a sort of a form of spiritual awareness or spiritual transformation. And and that's because the idea of working with the labyrinth is that you, we become aware that we're not the content of our consciousness, but we we use our consciousness as a tool. And we move between, you know, when you're on this side of the spiral, then you move to the other side. There are two different aspects to our consciousness all the time. We're moving around and around. You could say that's the inner realm and the outer realm. And we're always moving between these two in our experience. And that's how we grow ourselves and how we grow awareness. Um, and so I d- the, the, the collection is called Labyrinth because it's named after a, a very long poem that is kind of looking at all of these things and also looking at the way the brain works because the brain has two hemispheres and it's now understood that each hemisphere attends to the world um, in a different way. Um, and so that you literally, we're, we're kind of thinking this way and we're thinking that way all the time, if we allow ourselves to. Simply put, we move between a kind of intuitive approach and a more intellectual and sort of informational approach. And we synthesize those two and come up with new new ideas, um, new insights, and and that that so that our brain kind of echoes or mirrors um, a larger kind of spiritual 
identity of ourselves because we have an inner self, we have an outer personality self. And when we're when those two aspects are in relationship, that's when things really work well. We we work well, and we also come up with really good ideas. <laughs> so um, the particular the poems in this collection are mostly come uh, are about America because they were written while I was living in America, and I moved back from America four years ago, and I'm now in England. Um, and it was also, so the movement I was looking at was a sort of um, journey from old England to because we to New England, because we did live in New England on the east coast of America. And um, so it was, it was coming to terms, really. It was tracing me coming to terms with moving from the, from this old world into the new world and figuring out what that was all about and working with homesickness and um, working with the kind of raw ingredients that I found there in America. And um, I, and I, I also, I sequenced the poems because weather's so much a part of things in, in New England, because you have really extreme seasons. You have, snowy winters you have quite a short spring really in terms of the english sort of spring you have hot sunny summers and lovely autumns or fall as it's called there with sort of sharp blue skies and the the, the humidity is gone but you particularly sort of famous of course for its trees the maple trees that um their leaves turn to red orange yellow and so, and so I arranged the poems around that sequence. So they go from, I can't remember now, I think it's, I think they begin with winter, spring, summer, and autumn. They, they follow that cycle. And the reason for that is because that relates to um, a slightly more complicated way of thinking about the creative process and, and the spiral of creation which is drawn from um, some amazing insights that come from the Kabbalah and the, the Jewish mystical tradition of thinking about the tree of life and the idea that of the four forces. And the four forces are symbolically called um, water, air, earth, fire. And they, they move in that sequence. They be, you, because you don't really know, did, does the fire start the cycle or does the water start the cycle? Because they get they they continually go round and around. You know, does and so uh, winter would correspond, funnily enough, you might not think of it as with the water because it's sort of dormant, dormant stillness upon the face of the deep, sense of being mindful, coming still, drawing in. That's that part of the creative process when you sort of just. You know, there's a seed, but it's not, nothing's happening very much yet. And then, uh, so water, then air, that symbolizes, that's the spring. Things are beginning to sprout uh, ideas. So in, in terms of creative process, um, ideas are beginning to sort of sprout in one's mind. I relate it to the process of writing. You could relate it to any process, but if you relate it to the process of writing, 
that's when a kind of intimation or something has grown into ideas and and st something starting to kind of flow and and uh, run around a consciousness and then it moves to the summer and the earth cycle and the earth cycle is when forms appear a form appears flowers come up um vegetables grow hopefully <laughs> and um in terms of writing i might have a draft by that time you know something might be in form on paper or, or on the computer screen and then the interesting thing is to at that point is you you want it to be you sort of want to think that it's finished you you want to think that it's finished um which is so interesting psychologically for, for lots of reasons um so I'm sort of getting a bit caught out now between my gardening and seasons and creative <laughs> analogies here but so just staying with the with the um, cycle of the season so that so you've got your form but then you have the fire cycle comes and that's autumn and that's you know the true the trees the maple trees they actually look like flames they, they're orange and red and yellow and that's when your fruit and so on it really ripens and you it won't taste good until it's ripe and that means it's it's finished it's formed and you can pick it off the tree and you can eat it and then that's the end of the cycle and then everything goes to you start again and with the the analogy i use in writing is that you have to get that form finished and that means it has to be fired and that means you have to be able to see it differently because by this time you've you've fallen rather in love with this form and you're pretty sure it's just great and it's finished but you might get something might happen like with me you get you get negative feedback well or you don't you don't get any feedback at all because no one really is very interested in it because <laughs> it's not finished and there's all sorts of wonderful analogies that we use or metaphors we use like um uh, half-baked oh, it's half-baked it's a half-baked project half-baked idea it's half-baked poem draft it's a draft actually it's not really finished yet and um so half-baked what's the other one um oh then you th there's the idea of working in the clay isn't there you sort of you, you're working the clay to to form something but that clay pot uh won't work until you fire it it and then it then it's finished so all, all of these metaphors are sort of are pointing this out to us and my experience is that my consciousness has to shift. I have to like shift a little bit. I have to like go from that bit bit point where I started and come up to another level. And then I'll see, I'll see what to do. I'll see where the poem needs little bits chipping off or bit or, or the meaning extruded. And I turn into um it is a sort of impersonal. I'm not involved, I'm not personally involved in the poem anymore. I'm seeing it from another level. But interestingly, I'm also connecting with with the originating voice of it, because very often when you're when I draft something, a false like the fake voice will come in the the voice that wants to get away with with cliches. You know that's uh, that's how I experience it, and I'm no longer trying to defend that in myself. I I've I've become like the fire, and because I've become the fire, I can finish it.
And so that's an interesting analogy, I think, to the way we we grow as human beings, where we 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 almost have to move from that level of sort of slightly self-involved stuff around whatever it might be, a project, a relationship. Um well, those are fairly big areas, aren't they? And and, and then you have to and you move to another level. And then you lose all your all the hooks you know all the things that are sort of that you've created as resistance and you've you've expanded and the other thing that's very interesting about this the becoming using this way of thinking about the creative process is that it, it for anyone who doesn't you know feel you know for anyone for whom the idea of of spirituality being a spiritual being seems a rather vague thing when you think about it right there we're we're sort of connected to, to these invisible forces the water the air the earth the fire they they move through our own consciousness we tap into this creative cycle and also in the kabbalah there's the idea of the four being the consonants of the name of God. Um, I, I, don't, I can't remember what the Hebrew is, but the Yahweh, well, Yahweh, the name of God, Yahweh, the four consonants, father, mother, son, daughter, the family, a sequence again, aspects of the name of God, right? right? They move in a cycle. And so we are creators that, that 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 is how the creator works that is how god works god mother father son daughter works through the sequence of aspects all the time all the time so we're directly connected through our consciousness to to the sort of forces of the universe if you like you know just like the seasons oh my gosh i don't i just listening in or I, lo I love gosh you think so deeply and amazingly but I love how you explain that and, and dive into it and of course it relates to anything in life how to move through life sometimes we think the seasons are never going to end and we feel stuck yeah absolutely and we're really ready for it to end <laughs> absolutely know? and oh, I, yeah. I I love also towards the end with the autumn and the fire season when things start to come to fruition or that in some way we need to you you recommend that you or what this is what you do you detach yourself from, from well I think it's a process you find you become detached now how you get there is a bit of a mystery to be honest isn't it it's sometimes it's through pain it, it's through being cauterized <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, it began with passion, of course, if, uh, something, yes. inspiration and passion and, and, and all these cycles and end up, I mean, there's never any end, but end up to some eventual goal that perhaps you had no conception of how it would end, what yeah. it would, what it would look like in its fruition. Yeah. And life, in essence, really, anything we do is a creative process. I mean, we're here, in my opinion, to be the full creative expression of who we've come here to yes. be. And it's so individual. And what this this brings me back, actually, now again, because uh, we mentioned earlier the gra the Grail story. How does this? Because all of these, all of the symbolism, you know, the 
tree of life, the Jewish Kabbalah tradition, uh, the Western mystery tradition, the and the Grail, the Arthurian and Grail stories, which I once, you know, I happen to know those quite well. But I, I love of, your work on the Grail, the Holy Grail. <laughs> there's lots of other texts, but it's it's all blueprints. It's all um, a, a, operating instructions for the psyche, for us, for, for consciousness. So, so, so the Grail story. Um, you see, for all, you could say for all of us, and and it. It doesn't quite, it's not just like one story over, that's it, but that kind of is one big story that happens and then there's that then that kind of repeats lots of, over and over again, which is the first part of the story of the Grail, Percival, is finding out, the first part of our process is finding out, you know, we grow up out, as, as little children, we grow through the cycles of adolescence, young adulthood, etc., and we come into fuller and fuller consciousness and work through all sorts of things on the way. And so the, the, first, the first part of the story is we, we come to know that we're spiritual beings. We may not know it. We may have a theory about it, or it may, but we don't really know it, or we may just come upon, come upon it, have, have, sort of have the experience. And that's the first half of, of the Grail story, Percival has an experience. I'll come back to that in a minute. And then the second half of the grass story and the second half of the next step after knowing that ourselves is okay. So what does, how does this work? And so how do you, this changes the way we, well, it actually doesn't really change it, but we become conscious of how that other half of the identity that we didn't know we had factors in creation see because it does it's that's when we start moving in that spiral more consciously because we move between the sort of inner intuit more intuitive with source of wisdom and all the new input that's constantly coming to us from from the outside world and the pivotal scene in the grail story is when percival is sitting next to the a wounded king in a great hall and the the uh, the door opens on one side of the hall and a beautiful maiden comes in she's holding the grail chalice in her hands and it brings light with it and percival is looking at it and wondering about it and enthralled by it and wants to ask about who it's for who does it serve what's it doing there and all of that you know what is it and uh, but he doesn't ask because he's been told previously in the story not to talk too much. <laughs> um, so he doesn't find out about the Grail then, and he then he has to. And so then he goes off on his more of his adventures, and um, later on in the story we find out that the Grail, the Grail Chalice, serves. A, a man that lives deeper in the castle, the Grail King, and the Grail King simply represents the inner part of ourselves, or God, or spirit, or source, or whatever you want to call that dimension of self. And the Grail represents our heart, our feeling realm. So that it's that moment when we turn, we 
we have an epiphany. We, we're not, you know, we're we're no longer quite so distracted or quite so threaded into the reaction and uh, it, a, a marvelousness and awfulness and overwhelmingness of what we call the outer world or the world of our circumstances. And we've connected to this amazing energy that's at the core of ourselves, which is the fire. Actually, that we've connected to the fire, and that's the cup. See, the cup, our, our heart is filled with that. And then as it's filled with it, it that fire, that flow, that golden substance flows over and comes back through our consciousness and spills out into the world. And we suddenly realize that we live in a wonderland, which is the world when it's lit up by that fire, which, you know, which is relates to that creative process, doesn't it? Coming back to the creative process and being able to see, being able to see things clearly I suppose um so that that's why the ground myth is so marvelous because it it okay so that so that so he sees this grail right but he doesn't ask about it so he hasn't finished he he gets he has an experience we have we have the experience but we miss the meaning we have an epiphany we sometimes this just happens to us for no reason we suddenly get filled with that energy and it's like, wow. And then it moves on. And we might not have completely understood what it meant or what it was. Um, but later, gradually, we'll, we'll, we'll come to reflect on it. And we'll come to understand consciously, not just viscerally, but consciously, we'll understand, oh, that's because I've got this inner self. And I've got this outer self. And if I pay more attention and work with the design of the inner and the outer of my consciousness, my being, I'll integrate, I'll integrate my thought process. Both things will be happening. And this is important because if we don't do that, what happens is we end up with all those lumpy forms that don't work very well, right? I mean, there's lots of buildings like that, you know, that aren't very well designed. You just answered you my know? next question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I was going to, I was going to ask, um, I love, I mean, of course it relates to you, the poetry and the seasons and the labyrinth, the movement, but what if, what if we're stuck in a seat, whatever metaphor that may be for the audience that's listening, what if we feel stuck and we don't like our environment, our choices, the seasons that we're in, how do we move through that labyrinth? Well, that's, that's, that's a great question, actually. I mean, this is what it all comes down to, isn't it? Um, these very fancy sort of wonderful symbolic uh, expositions of our own consciousness. How do we handle circumstances? How do we? And um, the the primary one is that you realize that it's we, we, we learn bit by bit that even though if so there's something we don't like, we don't like, we don't like the cold spring. I don't like this relationship. I don't like my body. Um, I don't like my job. I'm broke. Whatever it is, you've got circumstances. So the but the first step is always to have that epiphany to to reach for the feeling of connection to the fire. And the the reason for that is that once we feel that, once we have a sense of that. It, it immediately changes the circumstance simply because because it changes how we're feeling. If 
it's really simple in a way. If you feel happy for no particular reason, everything around you will look and feel better. Even that job, you know, even the weather it won't bother you anymore. Um, because all of those things, they're not really what bug us. What, what, what really bugs us is, is our own disconnect from our own power. That's really all it is. Now, then there's, so then we, we might want to change those things. So yes, okay, well, we can do that because we've got a generative consciousness. So we come up with an idea. Well, I want to get a better job or I want to, whatever it is. So now we're into law of attraction. We're into intention. So you, you, you think about something that you want. See this. So then the way through to it is the path, is the path that opens in consciousness. Because as, as we connect to our inner being, as we have little minor epiphanies, let's say that, not one great big epiphany, but a little, a little bit. We get an idea. Oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll, I'll go and phone someone up. I'll, and we, we bit by bit, we take a pathway that's there. Now that's, that's bringing us back to the labyrinth, by the way. Let's, let's go to the myth of, uh, it's a slightly different aspect to it, but let's go to the myth of, um, of the labyrinth, you know, under Knossos um, in Crete and Ariadne, and it's Theseus, isn't it? And Theseus goes into the labyrinth to find the Minotaur. He's going to kill the Minotaur. And Ariadne gives him a ball of string and so that he won't get lost. And she says, well, but she ties it in. He unravels it as he goes through the, the labyrinth. Now, this labyrinth is also a maze, and there's a difference, right? Because a maze has dead ends, a maze you can get lost in. But a labyrinth only has one way in and one way out. So he's got the string. So he's going to be able to find his way through the maze. Now, that's a wonderful metaphor for our circumstances. How do we turn a, a maze with dead ends into a labyrinth? Well, we need the string. What's that string? Well, it's... So sometimes I picture this. I picture, um, you know, I use that symbol of the vesica. The two circles, uh, no, that's too cool. Everything. So I picture this as like when you feel the sense of epiphany between, let's say, your outer awareness and your inner awareness, you suddenly got an idea. Do you know? We everyone has that experience. It's like um, yes. you suddenly have a, an, a, a, a oh, yeah, I know what I'll do. You have like a new insight. No, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Well, you ha we have those all the time in little ways, and that. That's like a line drawn between your heart and your mind, your mind and your heart. The, the mind's wondering what to do, and then it comes up with something, and the heart says, yes, 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 there's an agreement. So they connect. So that, that's like a little step on that path, that string. And it feels so good. That follow, yeah, it, that's it. It feels good. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's if it doesn't right. feel good, well, if it doesn't, <laughs> reconsider. Yes. yes, it's so simple. It's it it will feel good. Yes, it will. Yeah. So there's an uh, there's that other meaning of the heart, the 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 Grail chalice. It's it's the guide. It, it the heart is the guide through through the maze stroke labyrinth. 
the heart and how something feels will guide you through to, to finding that thing that you want, to drawing it to you. Yeah. It's so simple. It's so simple. Uh, but hard sometimes. It's subtle. <laughs> well, it's subtle. It's subtle. Yeah. It's subtle. Yeah. Um, is it hard? Not really. No, not in the end it isn't. No. It's not hard because it's just a little bit at a time. And and when we when we know the connect when we feel you see our fulfillment ultimately yes we like we have things we, we want a nice house we want relationships at work or whatever we need all those things they're completely valid we should have them but really what really gives us joy is the feeling of connection to our our source and the sense of expansion that comes from that yeah the, I don't know if you can hear that thunder it's just agreeing with me. <laughs> Uh, that that's what really makes us happy in the end, because as soon as you get something that you you want, it'll give you satisfaction. But you're ready to move on, you know. You're ready to move on because we're expanding beings. Yes, and and in essence, true spirituality is just connection with self. It's always within. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yes. And it's just amazing and so incredibly creative how you explain all this. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Would well, you it like? Oh, sorry, it is, yeah, I mean, consciousness is the most beautiful tool. It's 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 the magic icon that's in all the myths. You know, it's the powerful powerful tool that if you don't know how to use it, it will use you. You know. It will just be in reaction to life, to everything around you, until you take hold of it and use it as the magic tool that it is. Oh, I love that. Would you like to read a, a piece or a part of your poem for the audience? From oh, your sure. Book? Yeah, actually, this. Let me read. Um, whatever you, whatever comes to you in consciousness, or whatever page you open, or. <laughs> Well, there's a poem called Philosopher's Stone, which, of course, the Philosopher's Stone is another one of those symbols. Um, which I, I think also is talking about this same quality of consciousness. Uh, can you hear the hail? Is it coming through? No. OK, good. Philosopher's Stone. You can't hear it? No. I've been turning over in my heart like a smooth pebble in the corner of my pocket, the thing itself. It is not seen, but I can feel it, sure, whole, real, as river-polished translucency. In the darkened anteroom or threshold, the thing itself, shining into the prism world, whose tumbled contents, cupboards and vistas take on then this commonplace new marvel of stone. So that's speaking about this possibility when that that sense in yourself, that 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 sense that sense of sort of interior, like a lodestone. Mm -hmm. 
comes through us, the anti-room consciousness sort of out of darkness. It's like, you know, there's nothing there really. Then the world becomes this commonplace. It, it takes on those qualities. Thank and you. That's magic. That's what magic <laughs> is. <laughs> well, we are magic, I guess. We are magic. Oh, yeah. gosh, Diana, it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you today? We're spiritual beings who are entrained into the whole, the whole mystery of the universe. We know how to function in this world harmoniously. We can come up with ideas that make sense, that work with solutions. We, we do this. I mean, lots of people do this. We all do it. But we can come up with those ideas rather than the half-formed, lumpy things, you know, that don't work very well. But it is a spiritual act. It comes out of listening to the intuitive as well as the intellectual. It comes out of feeling full and not feeling empty. So you're always trying to manipulate and force things into being. So what I'm trying to say is that spirituality is absolutely essential. It's the next step. Learning to use our consciousness properly it isn't just like a nice idea. It's because we must learn to function powerfully and, and harmoniously, you know, in this larger whole. I think that's when we sometimes look back on certain great statesmen. They were most, mostly men, you know, there's now probably stateswomen as well. The re I think that's that was always the, the ones who really, you know, they weren't perfect human beings or anything, but they brought us through you know, traum traumatic situations, they led us. That's spirituality. That's coming up. That's, that's you know, taking it on and coming up. You have to be thinking in large ways. You, you can't just be, have some small, narrow agenda. So that's what I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to, that's why I'm really interested in, in is that I, I, I think spirituality is, is, Learning how to use consciousness, learning who we are, that's that's the leading edge right now. That's it. And, the, we, you know, the grail says, the grail myth says that you you heal the king, you heal consciousness, you, you connect up with your deeper being and you restore the wasteland. That's what does it. Anyway, thank you for giving Yay, me. Nice way to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Diana. It really Lovely was so insightful, so insightful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. If you like this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews.